I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, as a bloke, absolutely brilliant. From when I first came to the club, um, there was in the hostel and, and there was a period where myself and uh, was, I think it was, we were waiting to move into a house or something like that. And my wife was still down south with Luke. And I actually lived in the hostel with him and Carol, his wife and kids, for a little while. And that looked after me fantastically. Um, brilliant bloke, brilliant coach. And genuinely one of life's what I would class as real vibrant people. Always got a smile on his face. Always enjoyed doing what he was doing. We were talking about some funny things about when we used to go to Scotland for like some of the pre-season uh, tours and stuff like that. I think it was, I don't know, it was Largs they were talking about. All the lads were out playing golf and I was shy at golf. And well, it was Turnbury, I think. I was that poor that I actually played one hole and went, no, no, I can't be doing this. It's disrespectful to the course. I went back <laughs> in and played squash with Crosser instead. Like, But he's a great bloke, really good bloke. And that, when you take it back to when we got to the FA Cup final, um, we got on a roll, as you, you know, obviously everyone knows, you get to the final and that. And then the big thing then was his preparation for the final was superb. Like, honestly, we went down to Maidenhead, um, stayed in the Tickled Trout, I think it was called, and everything about the way he prepared it was not only for a really, really, really big game, but it was also geared to enjoying ourselves as well. And I know some people go, well, what do you mean by enjoying yourself? That game could have been, for some of us at the time, possibly the pinnacle of our careers and that. And what he wanted to do was make the whole occasion enjoyable. So not only did we go down there and train and trained well, he also put a, a trip on the Thames off for us and we had a couple of beers because we were down there about a week. It, it was just, I've never got a, a brilliant way of preparing for a cup final. And yeah, we didn't get the result with a light, but he could not fault with anything he'd done in preparation for that. And a, a really genuinely lovely bloke and a lovely family. Delighted to say we are joined by former Sunderland manager Malcolm Crosby. We're in the Peacock, of course we are, because it's where we tend to do things here, so that explains some of the background noise. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, just right, in time, that wasn't it? The, uh, <laughs> the setting up here, because we are ahead of uh, opening time on a Sunday, but there's no alcohol involved. Absolutely not. Glad to have you with us, Malcolm. Thanks for coming along. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, your time as manager, obviously, Malcolm, but I want to start a little bit before that firstly um, because you're from the area from South Shields so you tell us a little bit about your upbringing your, uh, the way you got into football and stuff yeah well I uh, obviously I played um, at school and then played for the town team I wasn't good enough to get in the county team and um, when I was coming up to 16 I was uh, offered a trial down in Aldershot 
and I was basically asked to make the numbers up because we'd, uh, there was a fella who lived up here, scouted players for Aldershot, and he, he um, recommended three. So I went up to make four, so it was like two in a room, you know, and um, I was the one who got kept on, and the other three, unfortunately, didn't. And that was the start of my playing career. Ten year with Aldershot, and then I had five year with York City, and then I moved into coaching. So York City, that was playing for Dennis Smith in the latter part of that as well. He was a, the manager there. Good. Yeah, I went there in 81, 1981, and then Dennis took over, I think it was in 1982 or 83. And he had Viv Busby alongside him as his assistant. And um, we won the league under Dennis. Uh, we were the first team to get 100 points. And we had a good team. And uh, obviously... We had John Byrne playing in that team, who obviously played for Sunderland. Uh, so that was good times, and you know Dennis and I have become big friends. But uh, he's been a big influence in my career. So when he gets linked with the Sunderland job, you're obviously from the area. You've been away. You've been all the shot in Oxford, which aren't close to the northeast as places. What was this like for you then? Were you sort of pushing him towards it, telling him about the area, telling him about the club? Um, not really, because obviously um, Dennis got invited to be the manager, but I was uh, living in Kuwait at the time. I'd gone out there coaching. I'd left York. Um, Dennis was like a bit tight, you know, so he wouldn't give me a, a decent wage. So I, I, I then moved to Kuwait. And um, so when Dennis got the job, I was out there. And obviously, you know, they did. Him and Viv did really well. What were you doing in Kuwait? Well, you said you were coaching, but yeah, I was coaching under twenties, um, a team in like a league, and, and then I went and worked with George Armstrong and uh, coaching under eighteen team, and he was a great fellow, Jordy Armstrong, the ex-Arsenal player. Unfortunately, you know, he passed away a few years ago, but uh, he was he was really good, and um, the team I had, we won the league. And I was really set to stay there for longer because I was offered a new deal. But um, when I came home, and I was living down in Oxford, at the, uh, I was living in the northeast at the time. And I came home, and um, I went and met Den and Viv. There was a pub opening uh, in Spennymore, I think it was. And I was chatting to directors and the like, and then Den said, "Look, you know." There's going to be a youth team job coming up if you fancy it. So I went home, told the wife that I wanted to take the job, and it was like half the money I was earning in Kuwait. <laughs> uh, not as sunny, obviously, <laughs> as, as, the, as Kuwait. So, uh, you know, tip like women go, like, you must be crazy, you know, why do you want to do that? But I did. You're a Sunderland supporter. It was a great opportunity to work for the club. And, uh, even better, I ended up playing like in the reserves as well, which had, you know, that was great. I was playing at places like Old Trafford and Anfield, and uh, I'd been used to playing at like Chester and Barrow and Workington, so it was uh, that was great. Football's strange like that, isn't it, where there's nothing else like it that has that emotional pull, because who else would, would leave a job and then go and get another one for half the money, but when it's football and it's a team you support, it just changes everything. Well, it does, and... You know, I was ambitious as a coach, and I'm thinking, well, it's no good me staying in Kuwait. I'm, I'm going to be rich, but it's not really going to get me a great job. And um, coming to Sunderland, you know, 
like you say, uh, it was a bit of a mad thing to do, but when you're a supporter, and obviously I wanted to be the youth coach, but then, I, then your next step is you want to become the reserve coach and you want to become first team coach. And uh, that's why you take the jobs. And when you were youth team coach, there's every, every, every few years maybe Sunderland will bring through a, a crop of young players that make the first team. We're seeing a little bit of that now currently. We had the team where um, Waghorn and Henderson and Colback come through. But before that, when you were youth team manager, Craig Russell, Mickey Gray, Martin Smith, Brian Atkins and Martin Gray, these are all players who are going to go on and play for the first team. Were you aware of how talented that bunch of players were at the time? I did think there were... It wasn't so much the talent, it was like their attitude. They had wonderful attitude. I remember Brian Atkinson saying to me, I'd been here about a couple of weeks, and I said to him, we'll be training most afternoons. I said, because we need to, you know, your young players, you need to improve. And I remember him saying, we never did that with Chris McMenemy. So straight away, he'd taken a bit of a... A dislike to me because I wasn't working them hard and I said well that's fine you know but I said you'll be doing it with me and then he came up to me a couple of months later and said you know thanks for that it's the best thing ever happened like you know we're really getting stronger we're getting better technically and I did have a lot of good young players but it was it was their attitude they had fantastic attitudes I think they had lively attitudes off the pitch as well but that was the character of them you know they were, they were great lads and People like, we brought Davy Rush in, who left Notts County. We brought Mickey Grain, who had been released by Man United. And obviously we had Kieran Brady, we had uh, Paul Williams, who, who I think made his debut at Man U. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of good young players, but it was their attitude that stood out. Mm-hmm. Which was the crop of those players, in your opinion, at the time? Was there any that really stood out for you? Well, without a doubt, the crop. I mean, Kieran Brady was an outstanding talent. Um, he had so much ability and we all know how how clever he was as, as a footballer but unfortunately you know um, his, probably his lifestyle let him down um, but then Brian Atkinson he, you know he was I brought him into the team um, and he played in the youth team for me and he played in the reserves and he was a good player Brian Atkinson and I remember watching him play for England um, down at Redden and I, I, came, I brought him back you know and he was outstanding outstanding for England so he was probably the best player really you know and I think I think Brian in the end I think he had a bad injury didn't he, he I was, think he struggled he with at, injuries yeah he struggled with injury where he went after he left us about 95 on it yeah. 96 but I'm trying to think where he went afterwards I don't know where he went you know mm. but he, I know he struggled with injury because yeah. he was a if very good if you don't good, know don't mention it <laughs> he was a very good player and he was like so strong you know and so composed for a young player but hey I had some good players you mm. know and like any, anything if you've got a lot of good players you get yourself a decent team and I mean more on Brian Atkinson because he was he was um, he had a big influence on on that cup run certainly early on. But you started youth team coach, and then you made the transition to first team coach under Dennis at Sunderland as well. How did that how did that happen? That was a, a quite a big topic of discussion at the time, wasn't it? Because um, Viv Busby had worked with him before that, and he certainly Dennis told us that he just felt you were a better coach. And that's what the team needed at the time. Well, you know, 
to be fair to Dennis, he's never actually said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good of him to say that. But it was like strange for me because I loved the Busby, you know, and, and him and Dennis were great, you know, and they were great for me. But I just came in one morning and then Dennis asked me up to his office and just said, you know, you're now first team coach, Viv Busby's left. And I think they'd obviously had a disagreement and Viv had walked out. Um, so that was sad because, you know, I did have a, I had lots and lots of respect for Viv. And uh, as time went on, you know, um, I ended up at Swindon and I, I managed to get Viv in as the youth team coach there, which which was great for me to actually help him get into mm. the job because he'd been great with me, you know, when I'd been at York and Sunderland. So you've worked with Viv and you've worked with, with Dennis, obviously, uh, at York, at Sunderland. You've progressed from youth team coach um, to first team coach. Sunderland are comprehensively beaten at Oxford 3-0. On the 28th of December, Dennis is sucked two days later, the day before New Year's Eve. Sunderland have a game New Year's Day, obviously, because the football teams play New Year's Day. He's your friend, he's your manager, but they need somebody to take the team on New Year's Day. Who, who, who did you speak to first? Who told you that news first? The club and asked you to be caretaker manager or Dennis ringing you to tell you what had happened? Um, I think uh, what happened, Dennis pulled me in and said that he'd been dismissed, you know, and they wanted me to take the team. And at the time I said, no, no, I'll leave with you. And and Dennis said to me, you know, and it was good advice, he said, look, you'd be stupid to leave, and you're leaving a great job, you're getting the opportunity to, to take the first team, you should do it. But I was very angry that Den had been sacked, you know. Uh, and, you know, we talked me around and I sat down and obviously you think about it and it, it made sense. So, uh, right, I'll take the team and do it as best as I can, you know. Did you feel he should have had more time? He, again, uh, you remember that season that Dennis sold Marco Gabidini to raise some funds and he didn't think he had enough time to, to put that team together and, and let him gel. He turned an opportunity down in the summer to go to Stoke as yeah. well, didn't he? So, obviously yeah, he his did. hometown team, so it must have been... Awful he, to lose your job three or four months later. Well, he did. He did turn uh, the Stoke job down. It's like anything as well. I could see us turning it round. I had enough belief in, it, in myself as being a coach that could organise the team and help them. And I always thought Dennis was like, Dennis is very good as a manager and a coach, you know, and I think we could have turned it round. Um the, the the result at Oxford was a bad result, but then going to Oxford was never easy for any team. You know, it's it's got that slope, mm. and the, if they win the toss, you know they're going to come down that slope second half and give you a good battering. You know, so uh, it was never an easy place to go to. And as a as a friend, I didn't want Dennis sacked. You know, I was just I'd just been given the opportunity. I don't know, four or five weeks before that to be first team coach. So I was just getting into that role and um, I was thoroughly enjoying it, you know, and I did think we could, we, we would have been okay. It was 17th at the time. I mean, I've got the team up here that played Oxford and people who were around that era, um, you know, we were both kids in that era, so I can remember most of these games. I remember all of the games in the cup run like, like they were yesterday. Um, but if I'll name the team that played in that game, because they, they felt a 17th in, in the league at the time. Yeah. Um, Tony Norman, John Kerr, 
Anton Rogan, Paul Bracewell, Gary Bennett, Kevin Ball, Gary Hours, Kieran Brady, Don Goodman, John Byrne, Gordon Armstrong. That's a decent team, that, isn't it? Exactly. And if you look at that team, I don't know how many changes I would have made. I probably made about two or three, did I, in that team? We'll, we'll have a look. There wouldn't have been many, I wouldn't have thought. Well, you've, you actually, do you know how many, won, how many games you won when you first got the job? Do you know what your initial record was like? Yeah, I think I won. Was it four or five? You won your, off first, the belt, wasn't you won it? your first four, then you drew, drew, and then you won again. So your first six games, you won five of them. Helps, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's not hi- bad. Hiding enough after it, though, if you don't win the games, that's a problem, isn't it? Everyone's like, well, you've oh, won yeah, four or five. Oh, yeah, you're expected to win every it. game, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And uh, that's the joys of management, <laughs> isn't it? The two changes I can see that you've made um, Paul Hardiman's coming to the team. And Brian Atkinson. And Brian Atkinson, it's very, he's a very symbolic player for you because at the time he wasn't in the first team. He was a youth player. You've brought him in straight away. He's played in that first game. You've beat Barnsley 2-0 on New Year's Day. And then you play Port Vale, which is where the cup run starts. Yeah. Round three of the FA Cup. Um, Brian Atkinson plays. Brian Atkinson scores. Brian Atkinson gets man of the match. The crowd are all chanting about you. Sign him on. Sign him on because they, they, they want you to have the job. That's quite early as well, before you go on your little run. Right, right. Well, like you say, I mean, we talked about Brian earlier, and he was a he was a talent. There's a good story about him and all. When I when I, I came to um, the training ground at the beginning of uh, pre-season, and Chris McMenemy was the youth coach, and he said to me, I, I was working in Kuwait, and I popped in, and he said, "Do you want to take them for a run?" Because Chris couldn't run very well, and I could. And I went, yeah, I'll take them for a run. He said, take them like, yeah, there, you know. I did this run, and Brian Atkinson was sick. Right, so straight away, he wasn't that keen on me because <laughs> I'd taken him on this long run, and he, uh, he, he was ill, like, he spewed up. <laughs> and I always forget it, so straight away, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to love me like this lad. But, you know, he was a big influence. And obviously having Paul Bracewell alongside him was even bigger. And the one thing... I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but the one thing about Paul Bracewell, when I first got the job, I felt he was doing, trying to do too many people's jobs and then not being able to do his own. Mm. And he was such a, had such a wonderful attitude. He wanted to get out wide to help the winger. He wanted to get out the other position. And I said, just play in the middle. And the, the wingers, they've got to do their job. You don't do their job for them. And he was fantastic for me then. Really was. This was uh, the start of a cup run that, I mean, we obviously we know how it turned out in the final and stuff, but this was a time when the FA Cup was still really, really popular in England and everybody got behind it. And by the time we got to the latter stages, I mean, you know, there were red and white decorations up in, in all the shops. The gingerbread men had Sunderland strips on. Wearside was properly gripped, wasn't it, with cup fever? That, that throughout that whole run well that was the that was probably the best thing that came out of it it made Sunderland and the area a happy area to be at the time and um, when you're a supporter yourself you know how good that feels you know when people were walking around with smiles on their face and as daft as it seems the main aim really was to stay in the league that was the main aim but the cup it sort of it did take it over, and we ended up. It was it was tough in the league mm. because of the exertions that we had in the cup games, you know. 
but it it's was funny, wonderful for yeah. fans. It's it's funny that one, isn't it? Because now people often say, concentrate the league. You know, well, sometimes having good runs in the cups can invigorate you in the league. And may, I don't know if that's just a, a consequence of the, the way the game is now. Um, that may be you know, the detrimental effect at the time in, in the league games and there was so much focus on the importance of that FA Cup. I felt that um, we we ended up, because we'd, we'd put so much into the Cup games because we were playing, like in general, in the last the latter stages, we were playing uh, higher league clubs, you know, from the top division. Um, and I think we didn't have enough... Um, when it came to the league games, and, and and if you can remember, as the time went on, we were playing. We played two weeks where we played like four games in a week, which, you know, that wouldn't happen anymore. I wouldn't have thought the fixtures would be sorted that you wouldn't be doing it. Um, and obviously, yeah, I had a squad of players, but the rest of the players at the time probably were not good enough to replace what I had. You know, so it was a, it was a difficult balancing act, and. You know, we had, the cup. The cup did take a lot out of the players. The cup games. I mean, arguably as well, you missing one of your best players, replacing with Gabby Dini for the cup games. Obviously, God Goodman because he couldn't play in the games, could he? Because he was tied, cup yeah. tied. Don Good, yeah, Don Goodman was cup tied. Um, Peter Davenport was fantastic in the cup games. You know, and uh, and him and Bernie did really well but you would have liked to have had Don Goodman because that would have given me an extra striker you know but it didn't and um, fair play they still got the job done in the cup games but the league was it was tough and that was you know the reason if you remember why I was given the job was because we were struggling in the league everybody was looking at it thinking well we might get relegated here but as you've said earlier we had a decent set of players Mm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Don Goodman, that's an interesting one. That Bob Murray has recently, uh, he, he was having a chat with a, another podcast, and he recently had suggested that Don Goodman, um, he didn't rate him basically, and, and a big reason we got the cup final was because he wasn't in the team, and we were better with him, not in the team. Which th- that's not how I remember it. As a kid, we beat Millwall six two in one of your games, which is a, a game that will always live long in my memory. Don Goodman scored a hat trick in that game. He was my favourite player, Goodman, as a kid. So. He was absolutely. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He was my first favourite Sunderland player. Good. Well, I, I can understand where Bob's coming from because he's probably looking at him and saying, "Well, I paid a lot of money out to get him." Um, but Don Goodman was a handful. He was a strong player, and he had a goal in him. And you know, he played in league games. But at the end of the day, you know, I didn't have him in the cup. I knew that. 
The one thing about Don Goodman was he was so supportive of the other players. So in that cup run, can you imagine if you're cup tied and you're not getting a game and you're seeing your team go all the way to Wembley, how it must like be sickening really because you're missing out. But he was so good with the rest of the team, you know, so supportive. So if Bob thinks like that, I mean, I'd, I think he was a good, a good addition to have in your squad, a good player. Um, so, you know, Bob's entitled to his opinion. Um, and, and let's face it, he gave Dennis the money to buy him. So I met my one. Sorry, that one memory I've got from that game is six-two in the last minute. John Kerr gets put through on goal, and, and he was so famous for being, you know, for obvious reasons. He was such a hard player, a local lad, and he, but he never scored for Sunderland. And I remember the referee blew his whistle, didn't he? As he was, he was cle- in he the was, box, yeah. And the referees have to say no, that they've had enough, and he stuck the ball in the net anyway and he, celebrated. And that's one memory I have from a kid, right, quite vividly. Well, I can remember that he was just in the box, one with the keeper, and you're thinking. This is going to be brilliant, Casey finishing it off 7-2. And the ref blew in. I mean, what sort of referee would do that, you know? I mean, talk about being strict with the rules, like, it was uh, embarrassing. The sad thing about that game, they'd, uh, there'd been somebody at Millwall, he worked for the BBC, is it Baker? Danny Baker. Danny Baker was a big Millwall fan. Yeah. And he'd been criticising poor Bruce Rioch for a long time as a Millwall fan you know and of course that result got got Bruce to sack uh, I'm sure he was sacked after that mm. game because he lived on he lived on the like 505 call radio yeah, phone in thing at that time yeah he I mean? did yeah. yeah so yeah. he had a lot of he had a lot of sway you know mm. and it didn't help poor Bruce Rioch and you know it was a great performance by the players and Obviously, if you can win six two, right, it's great. Mm. But you don't like to see people get lose their job. Yeah, they didn't like coming it. up here in a while because we've done them six nil a few years later as well. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I think that, well, they were top of the league. We beat them six nil and they got Mick relegated. McCarthy was manager. Yeah, Craig Wilson scored yeah. four. Yeah, mm. Did he? Yeah, Craig. Um, well, I, I remember actually coming down as uh, as a kid and going down to Silksworth and watching your youth team a couple of times when you were there actually. And you could tell Craig Russell then again, another one, wasn't he? You could tell he was going to make it. Well, I mean, Craig and Martin Smith were like in a younger group, mm. um, you know, like with the Paul Williams and Aki and Brady and all them. They were like, they were probably a year or two down from them. And I got them pro contracts at 17 because I knew there was something special about them. Well, you know, Martin Smith played for England as a kid all the he, way through, didn't he? Yeah, and there was no way we wanted someone in a, to nick them, you know, so we got them signed up quickly. And, you know, they were both left-footed, which is unusual for strikers, you know, two of them. And But they were, they were both talented lads, you know, quite shy lads, to be honest, as well. I sometimes think that if they'd have been a little bit more cocky, you know, they might have even been better. But uh, that was their makeup, you know. So uh, that, that wasn't going to—they weren't going to change, like. But they were good players. Fourth round of the FA Cup, then three-two uh, at Oxford. Oh Something yeah. Something romantic about the fact it was Oxford, I think. After that was that was the game that saw Dennis lose his job, and we go down there a few weeks later and beat them three-two. Well, we went down and it got called off, didn't it? We were mm. near Nottingham on the coach, and it got called off. So we came back. So that was a wasted weekend. And then uh, when we went down in the evening game, 
I just said to them, kick up the hill first half. If you win the toss, don't let them go down the hill second half. And we kicked up the hill, so they were going downhill first half. We were 2-0 up, I think, at half-time. And then we went 3-0 up into the second half, and I was thinking, this job's a doddle, isn't it? <laughs> Brian so Atkinson scoring again. I was sat on the wall, actually, next to the dugout, <laughs> and it was like 90 minutes, I'm thinking, hey, this is great, this. <laughs> and then they scored two goals yeah. in injury time. I was like, bloody hell, it's not as easy as I thought, you know. Just having a look at the, t- the Oxford team. There was a player at the time called Kevin Francis, I remember, but maybe... He oh, the big striker. The uh, yeah, he wasn't there. He wasn't big, tall striker. I was curious if he was involved, because he was always a bit of a the ha- comedy figure of the I'll tell you who they had. Me. They had a big centre-forward who, who who had really given us a bad time when they beat us 3-0. And he'll be on that list. He, he played in the cup game, and we sorted him out uh, in that game. Um, and, you know, it was, like I said... A difficult place. John Dernan? No, John was a little striker. Trevor Earlock? Yeah, that's him. Right. He'd given us a real bad time. He'd got hold of the ball, he bullied us. At, and um, I can't remember what back four I played um, in the cup game. It must have been Rogie, must have been playing centre-half that in, instead of maybe left-back. But uh, we dealt with him much better. And obviously we went down the hill thinking it was that would work, and it did until they scored them two late goals, <laughs> and uh, I got a bit of a panic on then. Like, but um, yeah. it was a big, big result. That it looks like result. Rogan's playing left back because Paul uh, centre half because Paul Hardiman's in the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the fifth round, West Ham come. The, the league wins have really dried up by this point. Um, this is March again. This is this is a fifth round of the FA Cup. Twenty five thousand fans in Rocker Park, which was full at the time. Yeah, um, that shows you what the appetite for the FA Cup was still like. One one, John Byrne scores again. Of course, he scored in every round up until up until the final. But it, w- it was the replay in that one. The West Ham wasn't it going down there. Another three two. Oh, that's a bad pass. Byrne will get to this. Oh, he's in. What a start for Sunderland. Covered by Ball. Davenport. Oh, he took it well, Davenport. And here comes Byrne again. He's covered by Dix, is he? He's a real awkward player. John Byrne, he's made it two. It's 2-0, Sunderland. Martin Allen. And suddenly, West Ham supporters find a little bit to get excited about. Still Allen. Oh, what a goal. Sunderland have got everybody back. But it's Allen who hits it. Faced by Julian Dix. Left foot cross, burned. Rush! 3 2 Sunderland, David Rush. The first game was probably the worst game I've ever seen, I think. It was really windy, if you can remember. It was just a bad game. And uh, we, you know, we got the draw. We deserved the draw. And then we went down there, and I've got to say, I think Tony Norman had a fantastic game. He made some great saves in that game. But, you know, the, we wouldn't lie down, right? We kept mm. take. I think we... We got 2-0 sco- John two Byrne n- scores twice, and right. we go 2-0 up. And then Martin Allen scores twice for West Ham and pulls it back to 2-2. David Rush scores with around 10 minutes left, yeah. which was the winner. And I think I brought Kieran on, and he did quite well, I think. He yeah, came really on as a sub. And that was a massive result. You know, I West think Ham were in the Premier League, and we were in the... Yeah. Obviously in the league below. I think Billy Bonds was manager. He was, yeah. And I think God, he didn't last long after that, the poor fella. So at the time, <laughs> I was caretaker manager. I was getting rid of every manager we played. 
So, well, uh, you know, you might have been, you know, taking some jobs up for yourself if you didn't get the Sunderland job. Well, I think that <laughs> when I look back, that possibly might have happened, uh, but it didn't. You know, it didn't happen because I didn't take that. I took that offer up as managing Sunderland, but that was a big, big win um, because West Ham were decent. They had a, they had a good side, um, and you know, when you draw at home, you think you're going to go away and maybe, oh well, we might get beat. You know, that's it. But all credit to the players, like they dug in and they got a great result. The 9th of March, does that date mean anything to you? No. Two things happened on that day. Sunderland played Chelsea in the quarterfinals, away from home. Yeah. Dennis Smith is appointed Bristol City manager. Yeah. Right. Was there a conversation you had with Dennis about going to join him at Bristol? Yeah, he asked me, would I go? I don't know if he mentioned it when he we had did, a chat. Yeah. He asked me would I go, and I just I'm all out. I said no, no, I want to give it a go here. Mm. You're in the quarterfinal by this point. So yeah, I, I just said been... I wanted to stay at Sunderland and give it a go and hopefully get the job. Um, and uh, you know, I think we would have been all right at Bristol together, but uh, you know, I want. To, it doesn't matter what, there's a lot of clubs that you'd go to, but Sunderland is one that takes a bit of beating, you know. It's a, it's a great job for some, for anybody, and uh, obviously when you're being brought up in the area, it's even better. So I just said, no, I wanted to stay and mm-hmm. take it on. And again, like the West Ham game, 1-1 the first game, this is at Stamford Bridge. Ian Porterfield's Ch- Chelsea manager as well, of course, scored the winning goal for Sunderland in the 73 Cup final. Yeah, I remember I remember, I, um, <laughs> I remember. the time he, would, he wouldn't talk about it. He was getting asked. Obviously, the media were interested in that angle and that hook, as you would be yeah. as a journalist, but um, he just wasn't interested in talking about that. I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but it does. Um, John Byrne equalised quite late on in that game. Clive Allen had put Chelsea ahead. Yeah. And it looked like they were going to just do enough to beat us, but then John Byrne... That cup run was made through him in a, in a lot of ways. That away game, I thought we played really well. You know, we were playing a decent team, obviously, in Chelsea, but I thought we deserved the draw, at least. I thought we played well. And, uh, you know, taking them back to Sunderland was uh, it was a great result for us. Yeah. Burr. Davenport peeling away to the left. Rush coming in support. Burn going all the way, and it is now 1-0, and there will be nothing wrong with that one from Peter Davenport. Rush and Burn did some excellent work down the right, and Peter Davenport scores his fourth goal of the season, his second in the FA Cup, and Sunderland lead at Roker Park. Just under five minutes remaining. Davenport's goal, but Wise with the equaliser. Davenport had given Sunderland the lead, which had lasted until four minutes from time, and Tony Norman's agony is apparent. There's some twists to come here yet. Brian Atkinson, the outswinger this time. And a good header, and a great header. To make it 2-1, and Sunderland has struck back again. Gordon Armstrong, who has played so well throughout this game, has scored a goal worthy of taking a team to the semi-final. Where's that that replay then? 
<laughs> what about you, Gareth, as a fan? Can you you were going then, weren't you? Not really, no. Oh, you No. I mean, I started probably go when when Butcher was a player, so it probably would have been Ooh, around we're, that we're, time. We're getting on to that. <laughs> um, so that was probably... I remember, I remember at the time what it was like and all the, uh, you know, the red and white stuff all over and all that in the, on the cup and, and, and obviously you captured the imagination of, of everybody as, you, as you'd imagine I mean I think if you fan, speak you know. to Sunderland fan because I, I can remember I was 11 and I remember clearly clear as day night, that night game it was live on Sky Sports as well and if you speak to most people from that era and you say you're talking about Roker Park what was your favourite ever game Roker Park and, and that one gets referenced a lot because it had everything the night atmosphere um, the late winner the drama because Dennis Wise equalised with three minutes left or so to make it one-one, which oh, you yeah. must have been kicking yourself about. Well, they they were they were very good, weren't they? They were a good yeah. team, you know, and they had a lot of good players. And uh, there was times in that replay that we were hanging on, and eventually they did get the goal, you know. But the the second goal, which everyone always talks about, I remember Aki practicing that with Gordon Armstrong, and the I used calling, to like. Yeah. So from the corner, practice in the corner. Practice the corner. He used to ping it in, and he used to head it. And you know, I used to like we were, stood on the training ground watching them and saying, "You've no chance. What you're doing?" You know, just having a laugh with them. But they used to practice it, and I couldn't believe it when he actually scored it. You know, <laughs> they did. They'd been doing it, and it actually it came off. Mm. And it was like it was a it was a wonderful header. You won't see many no. better headers. Than, than Gordon Armstrong's, you know, yeah. and everything. I mean, it went right above the player in the top corner, didn't it? And it was just, you know, it was it was a fantastic uh, ending to a game. And, it, you know. and you're on cloud nine by this point, I'm guessing. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, I was in shock. Thinking of where you are, where you arrived by this point. Well, I was in shock because they'd scored off it. I <laughs> 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 and obviously the the game was a huge huge game and we played a very good team and it was a big big win obviously it was a massive win and the atmosphere in the place was just unbelievable what was it like to try and get them to focus on the league at that point like I say we, we aren't winning in the league by now no, it was, but this, this cup runs just continuing it, it was difficult because you know I think you uh, you played them games and it took so much out of you but Everybody was putting so much effort in to get the good, get the good results that we had. Uh, I think they were drained a lot of the time. And then, obviously, if you had away games, you were getting back on a coach a couple of days later or a day later, and you're off to somewhere to play. And it was tough. And, you know, the league form wasn't good. Uh, our performances had really dipped. And it was a worry, because at the end of the day, you, you have to remember, that's why I'd been brought in to try and stop the team going down. Did you ever go and ask Bob Murray, you know, what's happening here? Because you're still a caretaker manager at this point. Did you want more security at the time? Um, well, if, if you remember, really, it was always like names were getting mentioned about somebody coming in to take over. Neil Warnock was the one I remember always. Yeah, Neil's yeah. a friend of mine. I played with him uh, at Aldershot for two years. And, and Neil was a good manager. He was doing well. And, um, you know, I was getting all this every day in the paper that, you know, somebody's going to come in. And in the end, I think I did speak to Bob, but I tried not to, like... I just, like, thought if I keep 
I don't want to be winching up about, oh, you know, are you going to give me the job or anything? I just keep, let's just keep plodding along and see where it takes us, you know? And that was the best way to do it, really. What was your relationship like with Bob? I know obviously being very outspoken recently about his relationships with certain managers. I, I don't think you came up in a conversation, but just interesting, you know. What, well, what? I think Bob, um, if he was, Bob, Bob was quite, um, quite a quiet, shy type of fella, you know. Um, he never interfered one bit with the football. Like, if, you know, some chairman and that come in, you know, why are you playing him? Why did you do... Bob Murray never interfered with what I was trying to do on the football field. Obviously, you always want a bit more help in the transfer market if you can. Um, and I, I probably probably would have liked that a little bit more. But he just... He was fine, but he was quite a quiet sort of fella, Bob, and he didn't interfere which was good. And, you know, things like taking the, letting the players go away for a couple of days. I think we went to Turnbury for two or three days. And, he, you know, we would say, yep, yeah, do it, you know, if you want to take them away. So on that side of it, I didn't have a problem with them. The only problem probably was I would have liked to have been given... I think the cup run got me the job, which Bob probably thought I'll give him, a, give him the job, caretaker job for, like... A month, mm. and we'll give we'll get somebody in as manager, and then fans can make so many things happen, can't they? Mm. And as the the cup run went on, uh, the supporters were fantastic. They get behind me, and they want me to have the job. And I think it probably put a lot of pressure on on the board as a whole. So, do you, are you in, you feel in control at this point as well? And you think this is within my capabilities? Uh, you know, despite the cup run maybe masking the the league form, you're comfortable and you're happy and you, and you want I, the job full-time? I wanted the job, but I wasn't happy with the league. You know, I was a bit concerned with the league. Um, and, uh, and as the cup run went on, we were getting further behind in games. And that was the biggest problem. We were going to have to play a, a big clump of games and we played them all before the cup final, yeah. didn't we? You know, which didn't help. Yeah. But I mean, we played three in, in a week or something, didn't we? And, we beat Ipswich on the Tuesday. We lost to Plymouth on the Thursday. Because I, I, I remember that because that was a game you had to get your vouchers to try and get a ticket for the cup final. Right. Which I'm very bitter about. Um, <laughs> I've I'd, got one if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, get a ticket for the semi-final, however. And again, you know, I, I can shut my eyes. And as an 11-year-old kid, I can remember John Byrne scoring that header like it was happening right in front of me now. And it was Rogan's head. This is one against one for a moment. No support, now it's arriving, Bracewell, and Rush, and Atkinson, and Davenport far side. Positive run by Rush, this is Atkinson, and this is Byrne! He's done it again, Byrne! Scored in every round so far, and that really was a very, very well-made goal. Mr Midgley has allowed a minute. In the Milk Cup final, it was one goal for Norwich City. In the FA Cup semi-final, it is one goal for Sunderland. John Byrne has scored it, and Sunderland are through to the FA Cup final. And the face was wreathed in smiles before it was covered in embrace. The second division side have made it to the delight of their mass ranks of red and white. They don't know whether to laugh or whether to cry. 
it's that sort of feeling. And that was a day again. A decent Norwich team. That, that Norwich team nearly won the Premier League the following season. Yeah, yeah, we did have a we we did have a, a a good team to play against in Norwich. They were good, and you know they could score goals as well. But we, you know, we worked hard and we did our homework on them. And um, it wasn't the best game in the world, but not many semi-finals are there. Mm. Uh, it's like all about coming out as winners. And um, you know, I remember after the game in the coach and like all the fans were like going up a dual carriageway and all this traffic and they were all jumping out their minibuses and getting out their cars and it was quite an emotional day like um, mm. because it, you know to get to Wembley is a massive achievement isn't it and mm. like you said at the time the FA Cup was still very very yeah. popular It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.